Okay, Minus 3 is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. Great odds and markets for the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball's regular season now in full swing, and so much more. Great new and existing user promos. It's America's number one sportsbook, don't you know, for a multitude of reasons. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get your winnings now in as quick as two hours. And, of course, you have the same game parlay. You can buy multiple bets. From the same game, and there you have it, a same game parlay. Discover the most popular same game parlays each day right when you log in. If you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, ASA and P, to get started right now and sign up with the promo code minus three, the word minus the number three, so they know we sent you. And speaking of minus three, let's start this one, Eddie Spaghetti. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi and hello sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three. We are into the thick of playoff season. We're about to be joined. Eddie Spaghetti has just heard his name there behind the glass and from Boston. I don't know how he's feeling right now. I guess he's about to tell us right now. Here he is, everybody. It's Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? Well, it's funny. I know you guys, you know, have a hard out. We'll try and get you out of here for puck drop in 34 minutes. Uh, Thursday... Uh, at the time of this recording, we're on the West Coast, 331. So, yes, so we have about uh, uh, 39 minutes until game two begins. I think some listeners will be disappointed to hear that because they wanted to hear some heat between me and Spaghetti. Well, but what are we going to do? Talk about well, game funny, one? That's- okay, yeah. You know, we're kind of, you know, we're taping at an inopportune time. But, you know, what's crazy about hockey playoffs that's different than every other sport is – you pretty much know your buddy who's watching his team is miserable. Like it's a miserable experience, unlike any other sport. You you are just and so when you guys were grinding deep into overtime the other night in game one, I knew you were both miserable. I knew there was not a second of joy for either one of you. And the longer it went, the more you were questioning every decision you'd ever made in your lives. Cause it's just it's <laughs> fucking anxiety. Uh, you know, unless unless you're a Hurricanes fan, there there aren't any, of course. But if there were a Hurricanes fan, that's a delightful result. You're just kicking the shit out of my brooms, literally and figuratively. You know, uh, it, but I will say this: getting our heads handed to us again, uh, Lindholm scooping his head up off the ice on a, an admittedly clean hit, uh, no problem with it. Um, Still better than what Spaghetti went through in game one and that what you may be going through in game two, right? We, we don't even know. But it's like losing in overtime uh, it is just it, – it's, it's a gut punch. The playoff hockey is so unpleasant, and yet we sign up for it. It is – it is, I mean, of all the things, and I say that uh, pretty regularly in big moments of big games of my favorite teams, what the hell have I, what kind of life is this? I chose to do this decades ago now to watch, to be a fan, and now I'm in too deep and I can't get out and I can't advocate anybody else following my path like this. But to your point, just in an overarching way, the difference with hockey playoffs versus all the other sports, and I talked about this on Extra Points with Sal and Marty Weiss on uh, on Thursday's episode, there's some quality to it. There's something intrinsic about the watch that makes it hard to really be objective and watch both sides and say, Boy, you know, while you're, you know, when you're in the middle of the game to admire the bread man's game, you're just so singularly focused on your team and what it's doing. Like in football, I find myself often telling as a Steelers fan, telling other Steelers fans like Patrick Mahomes is good. That's why this is happening. I mean, it's not the, 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 the cornerback doesn't stink. Patrick Mahomes is just dominant. That's it. But and basketball, you can watch and be like, well, they're just bigger up front than we are. What are you going to do? Hockey, it's really hard in the playoffs to, like Adam Fox, I don't find myself appreciating his game because I'm just so focused on what the Penguins are doing in springtime. There's something weird about that. So, yes, you can't. So, on these 50-50 kind of calls that the officials make, I kind of just turn to social media. It's a great virtue of social media to look at it and be like, 
What does an objective sports fan think? Because I can't obviously see this straight. Of course, I think the other team should get five-minute majors for everything they do. And, of course, my team did nothing wrong. You know what I, think, I mean, Hench? I think part of the the reason watching your team in the playoff, in, in the hockey playoffs specifically, as opposed to the other sports, is so unpleasant, physically unpleasant, is because even if you are on a two-on-one odd man rush with the puck, you're three and a half seconds from catastrophe. Like That's the right. puck can be in your net. Like it's like at any second, you're like, what, what, we turned it up, we hit the post, they're going the other way. Like you can never relax, you can never take a breath, which is why it was so funny when Spaghetti texted us that he hadn't, you know, he hadn't been sitting down in two hours. It's like, oh yeah, you also can't sit down and watch hockey. You have to be physically involved because you're so nervous you, you have to be crouching and pacing and forechecking your cabinets. It's so weird. It's, it's, it's it really is. It's it really is goddamn miserable. And as far as that goes, a very funny uh, piece of uh, of social media video editing by our pal creates a lot of stuff. In fact, won a Shecky Award a few years ago. Los Real Ali, find him. Go to at minus three pod. He put a funny Star Wars themed scroll of Eddie Spaghetti's tweets throughout the five hours of the game. They were really funny, the range of emotions. Check that out. But that's exactly right. And yeah, I, I don't even want to talk about game one because who cares? I just knew in that moment what it bought me was uh, till Monday night. So it bought me like six days worth of a fan being able to be like, until game four, when the Pens take the ice and it's 2-1 Rangers in the series, that's the next time I have to sweat. Now I can just sit back and enjoy it a little bit because they had to get the split, they did. So whatever happened at the time, you're listening to this, whether it's 1-1 or 2-0. Um, but one, one thing that's crazy is I've never seen anything like that in a big-time sporting event that I can think of. I guess the closest thing would be Caleb Haney coming in to relieve. It Was was it Josh McCown who had to take over for Jay Cutler in the NFC title game, and then they had to go to the third stringer? And it's like, this is the NFC title game. They're, they're, if Caleb Haney wins this, he's like 10 minutes away from the Super Bowl. Louis Domingue, it's a great story, whatever happens from here on out, but he's he's sitting there two weeks ago where there was zero chance of him playing, and now all of a sudden he's out there in MSG playing the Rangers in triple overtime. It was just a a, a crazy thing. I always say, in here, know, it's, kind of, it's kind of my mantra, you, you got to win the games where you get more than 85 shots on goal. I've always oh, said amen. it. I've always said it. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, all right. So those this this game, hopefully this series is tied at 1-1 by the time people listen to this. Uh, for, you know, for the sake. No. Yes. For the no. sake of the game. Yes. Nobody, yes. Yes. Nobody yeah. wants that. This is nice. Everybody's rooting for the plucky underdogs, the old men. One last go. It's nice. Um, hey, I do want to promote very quickly. Um, I went on the Sklar Brothers, uh, Jason and Randy Sklar's View from the Cheap Seats podcast, and the name Kevin Hench came up in that, and they swooned hard, Hench. They immediately, oh, Kevin Hench, Kevin, oh, one of the great comedy writers of all time. They went on and on. I pointed out that they may be confusing Kevin Hench with somebody, but either way, they were they were very high on the henchmen. So well, that's uh, very very kind of them to say. And uh, if I remember correctly, meeting them at Catch a Rising Star. 25 years ago uh st louis guys right that's right yeah so, they, they they're excited about their notes right now well it's very the, funny the because Louis blues you know the the blues were plus 145 for that series when we pushed them last week that fell to plus 125 by the time the puck dropped for game one then after they kicked the shit out of the wild they were minus 190 after after game one and now that's toggled back to to more of a coin flip obviously um but uh yeah that that uh that that blues team baruby always seems to have them ready for this time of year um unlike my bruins who i was very high on i really i really thought if we had our 18 skaters we were set up so nicely and you know obviously it's hard to take a hockey team in north carolina seriously Assuming that is the Carolina they're in, gee, who even who even knows? But uh, anyway, um, but Coach K's coaching. But I have to uh, I have to tip my cap because they've just completely outclassed us. 
Um, as, as Go ahead and make your announcement, Eddie Spaghetti. Spaghetti Tell everybody what it. you said earlier today. Spaghetti called it. Spaghetti I mean, called it before the series. I I was petrified of that team. I just think they have a little bit of everything that you need in a playoff contender. Uh, I did think there was a really good shot that Boston, for at least you know six games, maybe they would they would rough them up a bit. And I was hoping if the Rangers did advance, they would play a banged up uh, Carolina team. And even with them, with their uh, I believe their third string goalie was in uh, the last game as well. So they're not Pittsburgh's not the only team dealing with that. But I would not be shocked if Carolina wins the cup. Like just the way they're playing right now, I think that they they have the ability to. Maybe out like physical Colorado of Colorado makes it and they could, you know, it's just that they have like the kind of magic you could see on, on a run, which would be pre- pretty miserable. And pretty oh, my boring, God. But. It would be so exciting. Take us back to the days of Cam Ward winning the con Smythe. Oh, we'll all get a tear in our eye. It's the worst. It feels like a throwaway when when a so team terrible. like that. Because, yeah, if there's just it's no offense, people in the Sun Belt, but. It's taken a generation, and I, I, I've said this before, I say it again. The energy in those buildings in Florida and Carolina and Nashville is greater than what I thought it would be, whatever would be like 10, 15 years ago. Still, I'm sorry, call me a snob. It don't feel right. It don't feel right because the passion overwhelms, you know, in Pennsylvania and New York and Massachusetts and obviously all through Canada. And, and it, it just doesn't feel as special. Well, you know what? I'm sure somebody from Florida could get in my ear and convince me that it is a diehard hockey region well, what as well. It, what it feels like, and, and I agree that, that those, the fans that turn out are, are intense and, and can match, match us in our, in our Northeast elitism, but those are all the fans of the team. They're in the building. That's what I always say about the Anaheim Ducks. People, oh, they 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 get eighteen thousand. Yeah, those are the only eighteen thousand people so, on the planet Earth that give a crap. Yeah, so we're getting we're getting dump trucked by uh, by the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, uh, so you so you so you hold no optimism of a turnaround here. It's weird, you know. You you can sometimes go ah puck luck. We should have split, but. It's hard when you just get your ass handed to you in two games, kind of at I all. I didn't phase. think you did in game one. Though. Well, we, no, the, the bees were, you know, we had a, that, that 14 to four shots on goal edge at the start of game one. And, you know, it's always that weird thing. Again, playoff hockey, if you're not, if you don't score, it's worse than if the shots were seven apiece. It doesn't make any yes. sense, right? You should be like, you're, hey, man, looks like you're the better team. It's like, no, something terrible is going to happen. And once it does, which was the same in game seven against the Blues in 2019, you know, the Bruins dominated that first period. And then the Blues finally touched the puck and scored. And then they scored again right before the end of the first period. It was like, well, that's that. Um, you know, so obviously I, I would, I'd love to be wrong. I'd love for the, the Bees to get back in the series uh, in game three. But I, I just, I was I, you know I I feel like they have the bees have two good lines uh to you know the top two lines are good the third line have been playing really well Charlie Coyle been playing really strong coming down the stretch loved the Lindholm acquisition even though he doesn't he doesn't know his name right now but um you know they just they they just weren't as good uh, um which you know as as Spaghetti pointed out there there's a reason they won the division there I mean they're a really good team um and maybe I was just kind of like thinking about. The, the Carolina team that we swept the last time we played them. And I think it's it's a much improved team. Um, all right, but let's talk about a sport someone gives a shit about. I We will. And I, I'm going to start it with pro football, and then we'll get to your Celtics, and we'll give you some bets uh, to place for the weekend. Um, but I wanted to get your thoughts because, you know, depending on who you believe, it seems fairly clear that, that, that there is um, – that there, there's enough evidence that Tom Brady just wasn't comfortable with grooming uh, Jimmy G to be his replacement. But the big side, and then Roethlisberger got a lot of junk for when the Steelers took Mason Rudolph saying, oh, it's not my job to do. Now Ryan Tannehill. I do talk about snoots. I'm snobby. If you're on your way to the Hall of Fame, I feel like, eh, listen, I'm, I'm not here. I'm here for the, glo- for the glory of the franchise and, and wringing out as much of my right arm as we possibly can. I'm not here to create my successor. If you're Ryan Tannehill, it's a little bit closer. But I also, as a vain person, am 100% on board with his attitude. Oh, people expect him to t- say into a microphone, maybe he should from a PR standpoint say like, Listen, young kids talented, and we'll see where this goes, and I'm going to compete with them. But 
Of course you don't want to train the guy to take over for your gig. How say you on this? Well, it's so funny, uh, you know, because I saw it on our rundown, which I read. You know, that's who I am. But uh, so so um, in my business, we would be so fucking lost if people didn't do that for us. Like we don't we don't know when run through is or what run through is or where the stage is. Like we just all need some grizzled vet to teach us how how a scene should grow. Like what's the contours or the structures of a scene or an episode? That's what's been missing all this time. Nobody ever did that for yeah, me. So so so. Um, of course, you know, I feel, you know, obliged to pay that forward. You know, if there's anything I can pass on to to a young up and coming writer, it, it's not like a choice. We are literally, you know, training our replacements. That's how it works. You know, we kind of just, move, you know, shovel off to the ice flow to freeze to death, retire, whatever. But like, you know, you, you would never hold That's your plan. You're making your family move up to some frigid place. Where are you going? Well, I'm obviously going to move them somewhere where my daughters are considered full human beings. That's my goal uh, as a parent to, to get them to the, to, to the diminish, diminishing uh, little plot of land where they'll be considered whole human beings. Um, but yeah, so I would never consider not, training my replacements or not, you know, coaching up a, a young writer. Uh, that said, it's a, it's not quite analogous, of course, because, you know, Ryan Tannehill, he knows the replacement is immediate. Like, I don't know how psyched I'd be to, to, to give someone some advice if by the end of the day they would have my job. Like, it's a process as opposed to like, uh, hey, here's what you do on this play. And then it's like, thanks, old man, you're cut. And, and when I saw that draft pick, because I think we were all, I mean, weren't we talking on this podcast about Malik Willis at number two to the Lions? Like, I, I thought that was going to happen until it kind of became clear, maybe 48 or 72 hours. There was enough, it, it became clear, oh, they're really not going to take Malik, Malik Willis, I guess. And then and, it was like, so well, the, didn't, but yeah. the Panthers are going to take a QB at six. So who's that kind of QB going to be? And there'll definitely be a QB in the top 10. And like, and then it all went back to the pre-draft wisdom very quickly, you know, of like, no, people are going to wait. And then once they waited, then there, then there was no rush. And when I saw the ticker, I was like, you know, remembering very vividly, of course, because I lost money on it, how shitty Tannehill was in that playoff game, how he single-handedly cost a team that got nine sacks a playoff game with his singular shittiness. His first pass intercepted, his first pass of the second half intercepted, his last pass of the game intercepted, his fucking fourth and fourth and well, what he pulled the ball back. Yeah. On, oh, no, on third down, they didn't give it to Henry, right? He pulled it back on third and inches. Like anyway, he fucking sucked. And then I see that Malik Willis pick, and I'm like, oh, that actually is quietly a position of need for that team. Because right. he, you know, while he has exceeded Ryan Tannehill's low ceiling in Tennessee, he's not the answer to take you to the promised land. And so I was like, that is a great pick. And I'm sure the Tennessee War Room was like, Hey, we're going to have to deal with this uh, with some some whiny prima donna. Of course, every team does when they when they draft a quarterback. But unlike you know, say Aaron Rodgers being upset about love, you know, Tannehill was literally the reason they lost. So uh, I, I was I was feeling really bad for for Malik Willis. I, I feel like I'm all those guys. I, I felt bad for all the Sam Howell. It's like. You have cameras at your house. The family's gathered for your special moment. The relief, the the it's the face of relief. They weren't overjoyed. They were just like, oh thank God, this was the worst few hours of my life. I mean that it, when they go in the third round, I hear you. Goodbye. I think Malik Willis is his successor, and I don't know if you call it petulance or otherwise from Ryan Tannehill, but. That was very human to him. Also, saying that he had to go to counseling because he got into a dark place after this. Boy, a lot of dents in this, like, you cannot get to a professional athlete. You know, I'm all for, uh, you know, taking care of your mental health and everything. But um, between Ben Simmons and this, they're really kind of conceding, like, man, yeah, this this gets under your skin in a big way. I thought that was striking stuff. And I don't know, while Ryan Tannehill certainly should go and do that if that's what he needs, I, I don't know if that's 
I, in you know, it's that alpha male kind of thing in pro football. I don't think that's a great thing to admit, right? I mean, As I mean, I don't know if that's politically incorrect for me to say, but I'm sure GMs are like, meh. All those hardos are like, well, he's soft emotionally. You want everyone, all of us would like to be Manny Ramirez. That's who you want to be. Like, doesn't know what day of the week it is. Doesn't know how many outs. That's right. Doesn't know how many outs there are. Has no idea. Do you think Manny ever knew what the standings were? Like how critical this series is? Like Manny probably doesn't know these are playoff games. Manny's just hitting bombs all over the park, having the time of his life. And, uh, you know, that guy's never – I mean, I always said that the reason that particular collection of guys was able to end the curse in 2004 is – Steroids? Watch it. Don't get me started on Jim Haslett and the 70 Steelers. I will fucking go right to the 70 Steelers inventing the steroid craze. But the real reason exactly. the 2004 Red Sox were able to over, overcome the curse is probably 95% of them had never heard of it. Like these guys, Johnny Damon, he probably doesn't know what lane we drive in in America. Like these guys were so dumb. They were just the perfect. I mean, they're the idiots. They were the self-proclaimed idiots. And it does help to not overthink things as opposed to as opposed to Ben Simmons being alone under the basket. And he's 6'10". He's alone under the basket and he overthinks it to the point where he passes. Uh, you're hitting your head on the rim and you're all alone and you you pass the ball. Like that's a level of psychosis. And so, yeah, not great news for Titans fans that your number one QB is is a, a psychological mess heading into next season. So, But it's so human, though, too. And it's like I say, politically incorrect at minimum to say, well, boy, I don't know about uh, saying that. But, you know, but I think it, we know. The, I mean, you, if the goat has proven anything, it's that it's much better to have an android playing quarterback for your team than a human. A, right. a human being. Nothing good can happen if your humanity enters the picture. I suppose that's uh, the, the big takeaway. Yeah. I mean, if you ever needed proof that for all their claims, like, I don't know. I know I'm, I'm icy cool. It's the inability to repeat a swing, a golf swing that you've made literally a million times if you're a professional golfer on the 18th in the clutch in, in at Augusta or the U.S. Open or something like it, the, the fact that the the mental slash emotional aspect of it prohibits you or, or gets in the way of you just repeating the exact same swing that has you shooting minus eight on a random Tuesday. No, is, it's, why, uh, is what makes it's it. why every interview with a major golf champion is, is that boring because, you know, they have the thoughts of my golden retriever going through their heads. There's no, there's <laughs> no, there's no, there's no panic. They're just metronomes. And then you're interviewing a metronome and, uh, you know, he gives all praise to God and then uh, goes back and hits some more balls for the next, <laughs> I don't know, there's no God-fearing robots. Yeah. I love it. Very 21st century. Speaking of 21st century robots, Bill Belichick, really a weird one, programmed differently than most people in the business of pro football. What did you make as a Patriots a supporter of the latest strange pick? Cole Strange, first it, it round. Was all, it was all so devastating, you know, and of course, like, the Celtics are carrying the entire burden of the town right now because the Red Sox are fucking terrible, and obviously the Bruins seem like destined to a first-round exit. Um, and so, you know, we don't have high hopes for the draft. It's not his strong suit, obviously, because he's always too clever by half. And so, you know, if you look at the way the season ended, could not get off the field against the Bills, then you lose your best cover corner. So J.C. Jackson's uh, with the Chargers, and we need – we're in a division now with Tyreek Hill and uh, Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson and, and Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen. Like, so – the fact that Trent McDuffie falls to 21, you're like, wow, uh, a guy I really wanted that was projected to go maybe as high as 12, who it could be a starting corner day one in the NFL, is on the board. This has fallen right into our laps. And because Mac Jones fell into their laps and they actually took him, I forgot, of course, they're not going to take the, the right fit for the team at the right spot. They're going to trade down. And so then I was like, oh, okay, well, they must really want Devin Lloyd. And they've they've gamed it out. 
that they can add picks, drop to 29, and he'll still be there, and they'll get the guy they wanted all along. Okay. And then the Chiefs take Trent McDuffie, of course. Like, by the way, you're going to have to beat all these teams. All these teams are still in the AFC. So when you go, hey, KC, we'll take your call. You want 21? Gee, who do you want to take at 21? They go, well, we're in a division with Justin Herbert and and Derek Carr and Russell Wilson, so we're going to take this kick-ass corner that we can't believe is still available at 21. So great, now we have him, but you have the 29th pick. So I'm like, okay, my draft guru buddy, Jay Yarrow, has been been, uh, telling me about Devin Lloyd and really getting me excited about him. So I'm like, okay, I, I guess I can live with that. Then, you know, like the rest of America and Sean McVay, uh, I, I, I learned Cole Strange's name in the strangest way, uh, scrambling, you know, where was he going to go? And then and then it's like, well, OK, maybe he is John Hanna. Maybe he'll be on the cover of Sports Illustrated as the greatest offensive lineman of all time. That doesn't change the fact that he was definitely going to be available at your next pick. You're never going to. Right. It, that's exactly right. It, it, it was really like the fantasy football guy sitting around the table like, we knew you wanted this guy, but man, nobody was getting that guy for at least four rounds, man. You, you reached on that one. But this is Bill Belichick doing it. I do wonder, does he, you know. I don't know if you're aware of the idea that uh, there are apparently people in our society living in a completely different reality than the one we live in. Is he so insulated from collective opinion? Does he think that that Patriots team is better than the rest of us do? I bet you, because to me, they they present as, as a very real possibility as the fourth place team in that division. By the way, I also think they should have taken Malik Willis specifically to give, I mean, you know, I, I'm a big advocate of don't do a double down at quarterback. Give a change of pace. You know, Flacco to Lamar Jackson was a trip for that second half of the season when Lamar Jackson made the scene. It leads me to this question. Well, it is I ironic. Up, it is ironic that Malik Willis went in the spot that was the highest Cole Strange would have gone had the Patriots not <laughs> taken him in the first round. Right. I mean, but really, I mean, I thought that when they're trading down and the, the way he can accumulate picks and everything, when he was sitting there, I thought that's kind of like a that would be the sort of curve because you've heard rumors over the last two, three years the, that Belichick was kind of in a headspace of, I wonder if I could make a go with someone like Lamar Jackson and really pivot hard away from Brady. And it felt to me like if you look at what he did last offseason, that they were kind of building towards that. We're just going to try and truck you. Everybody else wants to throw it around. Now we're going to zig against the zag, and we're just going to power football at you, and that would be perfect with a guy like that. So um, that would have been interesting. But I looked it up, FanDuel.com. First of all, I'm going to let you guess. I I came up with a new game. Guess the line. No, guess the season win total. Uh, Kevin Hench, you're first. Do you know the Patriots' um, anticipated win total? in 2022 um i don't so this would be an honest guess but i'm gonna say um eight and a half eight and a half is on the nose do you think if you have to make that bet right now and i'm asking you to do so are you gonna go over or under i'm go under i'm gonna i'm i am gonna go under i mean i'm gonna actually go under i'm gonna bet on that under um i i think uh you're gonna bet against your i i I got this is one of my chief arguments against Kevin Hench and his friends that you guys Sal will bet against his well, team. You got to get something out of it. Shame the devil. No, you don't. You don't have to get no, anything out of five. That's and 12. Prob- you don't have to get any, you go five and 12. You don't get anything. You're, you're like an oil industry as the globe uh, burns up. You're like, well, I still got to make a profit. Don't I? What, what the hell's wrong with you? No, you don't shame the devil. It's immoral. What you're doing. Um, well, the morality notwithstanding, I, I do think the Patriots will not win uh, nine games next year. I think, you know, the Jets, I mean, just look at it, right? The Jets and Dolphins That's are going to be the better. Big thing. The Jets and Dolphins are going right. to be better. And, uh, and, and the Bills are still going to be – the Bills are the favorite to go to the Super Bowl. So it's like you're you, – on paper, you're the – I mean, you're the team – you know, those little arrows next to our fantasy guys, like, you know, are you, are you going down? Are you going up? Like they're, they're flat or down while the teams around them are getting better. And, you know, it's funny. 
obviously Zach Wilson had a rough go of it, but he didn't have such a rough go of it that I said it's not going to happen for that guy. It's going to be interesting with the the weapons. I mean, that talk about drafts. That might that may turn out to be the draft of drafts, that Jets draft. So, um, I, yeah, I don't uh, I don't have a heck of a lot of confidence that uh, Cole Strange can carry us to nine wins. By the way, we well, traded play- Shaq Mason for a fifth round pick. Isn't the ceiling on Cole Strange, Shaq Mason? I mean, wouldn't we be? What, I really, I, I can't figure out what the hell he's thinking. It's really weird. What I, I don't know what uh, is if Belichick's maybe gone daft like Putin. Spaghetti still has to go kill him already. We were not Belichick, the other one. Um, well, it but definitely, yeah, I, you know, I really feel like that draft because the people were like, well, maybe Belichick was playing three dimensional chess with the text mistake. Uh, oh no, oh no, he's senile. No, 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 he wasn't, he didn't, he wasn't doing something cagey to keep Tom Brady from coming to the Dolphins. He is a, 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 a really diminished old man. Um, next up, and I agree with you, people fail to look at the competition within the division. And obviously that's, uh, that, that factors largely into how these teams are going to finish. Next up, it's the New York Giants. Eddie Spaghetti, do you know your season win total? I don't know what their season win total was. How many wins did the Giants have last year? I forget the exact number. Let me look that up. All right, can I guess sight unseen? Yeah. Seven. I was thinking around, but you said eight and a half for the Pats. I was going to say eight. So the Giants last year. um, Right in the middle. It's seven and a half. Over or under Eddie Spaghetti? Seven and a half is a really good number. It's a tough number. Dable is has been said I, to I'm, have cut Danny Dimes loose. In seven, Let it fly, in, guys. In 17 games, if the number's at seven and a half, I would have guessed around there. I want to say the Giants, I think the Giants can win eight games. I think because, I, not, I think be, it's because of, like, I, I don't know. I don't know why people are confident. I, I, I don't think if you asked, Eagles fans are lying if they're confident Jalen Hurts to be the guy. Uh, I think for a large portion of that season, they're looking for a quarterback replacement. And with the commanders or Washington football team, whatever they're called, like, I, I still don't love their roster makeup. And I know it's like all hearsay offseason talk. Dave saying, let it, like, you know, Danny Jones just like stop thinking and just sling the ball around. It's like, he kind of needs to do that. Like he kind of needs to be uh, like he, he he has to stop thinking. He finally has common people in place. And I think finally now you have your bookend tackles, hopefully knock on wood, the pieces stay healthy on offense. Like I don't, I don't think it's out of the realm uh, to, to win eight games in a, in a pretty bum division. Like the Cowboys run away with it, but I think eight games is certainly feasible. I feel bad for officially at this point for Saquon Barkley, uh, Saquon Barkley. I hope he has a nice year. So he gets a, a decent second contract and so on. Cause um, he was a surefire home run and the, the spot was bad and the injuries have been bad. Um, I hear you a little bit of cynicism on the Jets draft and the Giants and the Ravens. Well, when you're flush with picks in the early rounds, I guess you should land on a bunch of recognizable um, five star talent. Um, but that's also how the Baltimore Ravens, you know, got on the right footing at the dawn of their existence after they moved to Cleveland. They had two first round picks. They hit on both uh, Ray Lewis and Jonathan Ogden and the rest is history. So maybe that'll be the case where my team's concerned. The total is seven and a half going into the season. I once again easily say go over that seven and a half. They're playing 17 games, for goodness sakes. Um, the big intrigue for me coming off of the the NFL draft is, though, the Steelers were supposedly willing to trade. They they contacted Houston and said, we want to trade up to 15, I think afraid that the Saints were going to take Kenny Pickett. So they would have even trade up, traded up higher. I'd love to have a redo in the alternate universe to see um, would anybody, who would have taken Pickett. If, 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 if they just took best player available, the Steelers on their board, who would that have been? And would somebody else have wound up with Pickett? Could the Steelers have waited? If the Saints did take Pickett at, let's say, 19, would the Steelers in the first round have taken Malik Willis? I'd love to know the answers to all these questions, and it's upsetting because I don't think we'll ever get those. So instead, I want to ask you guys this alternate uh, reality I do like the idea of redoing that draft, though. If you get that through, (laughs) if you can get that ratified, I would love that. 
I know. I like the pride of Belichick. He's like, ah, I'm not, I'm no Cliff Kingsbury. Like, take Malik Willis. He's sitting there. Take him in the second round. That'd be awesome. That'd be that. Now you have a real change of pace and can play two different styles of ball in a highly competitive conference. Here's an alternate universe question. I just, I had to take a glance at the Giants 2022 schedule and to reinforce my May win eight games. I felt pretty good about that. I did not realize the Giants out of uh, division schedule includes the Bears, the Lions. The Texans, uh, the Jaguars, the Panthers, and the Seahawks, which are all pretty winnable games. So I, I, I feel pretty good about that. Don't do it. Don't play this game. It's a terrible game. It's almost as bad as draft grades after the draft. Don't play in May. I'm going to count the wins and losses for my team. We have no idea between now and September. What do you mean? You September. do that every year, and that's why you... I just did it, I just did it 10 minutes yeah. ago, but I'm just telling you, don't do it. Well, don't no, don't, I, get, to, I, don't I, get into well, the nitty-gritty or just make yeah, yourself crazy. I mean, yes, one of those teams that Spaghetti just rattled off is going to surprise us with their win total. Right. But if you have that big a collection of garbage, you're, you're going to win four of those games, and so... And I, you know, it's funny, you know, you talk, I I think the, we all think the Cowboys are so much better than the rest of that division, but I look at that draft and I just think the Cowboys didn't put enough daylight, but I think the Cowboys are going to be dragged into a fight for that. Someone that's going to, is going to compete. You know, I know, I know Spaghetti and I are very high on that defensive tackle out of Georgia Davis. The guy that runs. I think I see to me, that was a draft pick you make 15 years ago. You don't do the that. The guy guy's defenses don't Jerry include Rice like and that. he's an interior defensive lineman. I don't know. Like, I think he's going to be good for the Eagles. So uh, my biggest. My, the, the, well, my it's fine. I, my cynicism, though, is owed to specifically Marquise Pouncey, the maybe Hall of Fame center for the Steelers. We'll see if he ever gets in. But. People always swooned over, man, he can get down, he can get 15 yards downfield in a hurry because he's fast. Like, how often does that situation arise? What do I care? Oh, he's got breakaway speed out of the backfield. Like, how often does a running back in the NFL get 20 yards downfield and like, oh, now I'm going to turn on the afterburners and blow you? It's just like, those. It, it's such a small percentage of time where that reveals itself. I, I just, I, I, I it, that one doesn't, but I will say, I think Danny Dimes is the second best quarter uh, quarterback in that division. Um, I looked it up as well. Also interesting in the AFC North, the Bengals who were in the Super Bowl are their win total at seventeen. Guess what it is, Hench? Nine and a half. Nine and a half is absolutely right. The Ravens also at nine and a half. Is it just at a point think, where you don't even like act surprised? Like when I hit it on. Why did I, I, I thought, I I thought like you must like, have it in front of you, you or just something? Moved I thought on to I, your next thing. Like that wasn't a. I thought you. I thought you might be looking at. I it would never something. do that. What would be the fun of doing a, your own podcast and cheating? This is fucking insane. But it is America, Touché. so who knows? Touche. Um, I, I think. I, I think that's super interesting too. And the Browns are fascinating too. Here's my uh, conspiracy theory for you: If Roger Goodell, if if the 31 other ownership groups are really PO'd that the Haslam's devoted. $230 million guaranteed to anybody, let alone to Deshaun Watson with his troubles and what may or may not happen to him in terms of uh, actual legal punishment or NFL um, uh, version of punishment. It, if you are, I, I think it's been made pretty clear. Nobody cares about morality in the NFL. It's what hits the bottom line. That's what, they're, what, that's what the owners are worried about. It, this, is, this is the perfect storm, though. If you want to send the message to to the NFL, don't give guaranteed money. That's that, we we do not want to open up that Pandora's box from the ownership side. They get in Goodell's ear and say shelve them for the year, and it sends a moral statement so that we look good uh, at, to to the world that we could say we just can't have someone with this character. We don't want this. He has to learn a lesson and sit out a year, and also it chills all the other teams from ever thinking about a contract at that level. But, How say you? I think that's pretty good. But isn't, I mean, don't we think that that cake is already baked in terms of that's why they structured the contract that way? So that- so what? They don't get a financial hit. They don't get Deshaun Watson for a year, though. Who cares about the money of it? So, right. well, I mean, I think that they're going to say, you know, that, you know, the team basically let him, gave him money to pay the civil suits, he won't get docked any real money in the season he sits out. Um, and then they're looking at 2023, 
ready to go to the Super Bowl. I don't. I mean, but what? I mean, the idea they're going to take a year off it doesn't hurt them. Of course it does, and of course but only one the team most wins delicious the Super Bowl. All. So you know, it's like they'll be I one know, of the teams, but still doesn't win the Super Bowl. I think I think that would send a pretty strong message. Stop effing around, everybody. I like, and this gives them the opportunity. The legal stuff they can use. I know it's cynical to say, but still, they could do that. Um, and it creates the the most delicious of all scenarios, which is like, uh, hey, uh, Baker, can you can you maybe play for us one more year? <laughs> the <funniest thing> ever. <laughs> my man, my man. What do you mean? Why are you what that guy? No, guy. Come on, man. We took you number one, man. You're our guy. <laughs> I think that'd be funny. Hey, this baseball season, turn K's into cash and big hits into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a risk-free first bet up to one thousand dollars. And with FanDuel same game parlays, you can turn little bets into big paydays. I go on and on about these same game parlays whatever you want to do the money line the total runs player props and more you can find the most popular same game parlays right when you log into FanDuel just sign up place your first bet and FanDuel is going to refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win there's no better place to bet America's pastime than on America's number one sports book we'll see you in the winner circle or maybe we won't let's work in a quick break Here's another quick uh, alternate reality for you. A little what if in for you guys. I was thinking about it's a little debate on confidence in your team and everything. I was thinking about this 2015. It's hard for Hench to know. I was thinking, would I take you have to give up all the Stanley Cups that your team has won in your lifetime? Hench, which is what yeah. one? I mean, I, guess. I, mean, I, I one, in one. seventy and seventy-two, I was not a huge Bruins fan. So I guess this only applies to me. I guess this isn't that good. I was thinking, would I trade if you took me back to twenty fifteen? You say you can have Connor McJesus, you can have him, but you have to give you have to give back the last three cups. Would I do it? I was debating that in my head. I couldn't decide. Because the future would be awfully bright if they had uh, Connor McDavid. It's a great question. And wouldn't they have won? Wouldn't they have won? They would have won two cups with him, right? It's a great question. How much do do the championships to the to the Pearl Jam of it all? How much do the championships really change our lives? How much do they smooth us out when we're in traffic? Are we not pissed because we won those championships? Would your life be worse without them? Um, I, you know, it's, it's very hard. Like I, I, cl- I clutch those trophies like I earned them. So it's very hard for me to imagine giving up any of them. Um, and I certainly would not give up any of them for lifetime tickets to Pearl Jam. Uh, that's nuts. But yeah, right now, uh, my, most of my teams, my non-Celtic teams are suffering. So, you know, would I like to have, Connor McDavid, sure, it'd be fun. But uh, what if I could give you Shoei Otani, but you have to give up the last two Red Sox World Series? I and I give him to you starting when his career began in Anaheim. Four, what was it? Three years ago now. Uh, I got to future's brighter. I got to take the titles. I know Otani just dominated the Red Sox today. Um, I know. It, it's it's so sad when your starting pitcher doesn't allow a run and you lose by eight runs. I mean, the Red Sox are fucking terrible. It's just shocking. I And it's it really, it is confounding because I want to blame the front office, but the, the discount rejects that they've picked up, like Rich Hill, like Michael Waka, have been awesome. So it's like, I, so I don't know, I don't know why they can't score. It's the same guys who became within two games of the World Series. That leads me to another conversation. I in game one of the Sixers and Heat series, um, I, I I said to uh, Sal and Marty Weiss on extra points, it, it has to matter when you only get to put five guys on the floor at any given time. You take one of the five best in the world off of it. That's got to dent the Sixers' chances here, and so that's played out over the last um, couple of games. But the the James Harden plummet is is really loco. I mean, what what the hell? So it turns out that 
Brooklyn and Philadelphia were both like this high leverage trade and everything was built on Ben Simmons, who didn't play because of a back problem that wasn't revealed until well into his time after being traded. And James Harden, who just apparently stinks now. It really a weird uh, fall from near the top of the basketball mountain. Eh? What that makes some sense? Well, it's you know, it's it's an interesting thing where when so much of your game is be is predicated on being able to beat your guy off the dribble, right? So it's like if you're if you're not going to double team me and one guy is going to try and guard me, I'm going to go by him. And I saw this with Kemba Walker, Kemba Walker in Boston. He could get even with his guy. He could get most of the way by his guy, but he wasn't creating that separation that would allow a little guy to, to shoot a layup in the trees. Harden, it's so, you know, obviously he's heavier, he's older, a lot of miles on the tires, but I watched Tim Legler. It, it was so brutal, the three minutes of Telestrator he did on James Harden, because he basically went through every guy on the heat switched on to Harden, and he couldn't get by any of them. Hmm. So, you know, the way the NBA works now is the guy you want to go one-on-one against, you have the guy, the guy he's guarding sets a pick for you, you take two dribbles to your left, and now that guy's guarding you. So now you have P.J. Tucker guarding you, and you're you're golden. Couldn't get by any of them. So now, so now he's not as open on the step back, and that's why his shooting percentage has been so terrible. Like, he just doesn't get particularly good shots. So, I mean, I'm delighted, obviously, as somebody who doesn't like the Sixers, doesn't like James Harden, doesn't like the Nets, it's it's just been kind of delightful to watch, you know, this subtraction by subtraction. Well, you know, it's uh, uh, something I keep saying, but I really keeps being proven over and over again. We've talked about the lack of regard for the Miami Heat or even a lack of awareness of this high end NBA team that really could go to the finals once again. And, uh, you know, they were in the finals two years ago. A couple of bits of evidence why the bubble championships didn't work. That the Blue Blanc A Rouge, the bum Montreal Canadiens that year went to the final. That that should lay bare that that one was junk. And then How in the NBA, sure the Lakers, the Lakers are already the dis- Canadians coach got fired this year. He got fired. That's exactly like, right. That, even the know, Canadians know that the bubble didn't mean shit. Like it, and well, and that's exactly right. And the Lakers fired their coach as well. So that's the math exactly on that. Obviously, it didn't matter to the Lakers because they've blown it up since then. So I don't think it matters. But right here and now, it's really hard to figure out. I don't know if Embiid comes back that he's going to be right and everything else. I think the Heat are going to advance here. I don't think that's a bold statement. Um, but I wouldn't completely throw dirt on the Sixers just yet. But it has to be a gut punch. Um, to to Embiid and the rest of uh, of the organization to be like, we thought James Harden was going to be like, you know, this was going to be a dynamic duo, and and now we're looking at Maxi to to you know make uh, to try and make things right here, and and you know that's not going to happen consistently. So you're a straight shooter, unlike James Harden. Give us your East pick now. Any update for us? Who All right. Well, I am I am I am sticking with my original pick of Celtics in seven against the Bucks. Um, I, I okay. do think, you know, very easy to see them splitting the next four games coming down to game seven in Boston. I, you know, I said on this podcast time and time again, the heat number all year was like 10 to one to win the East, you know, that it would go up. Like, it was like, I was like, this team is so good. They're so built for the playoffs. They defend. Abadio is a monster. Like he's a great player. Um, so I, it, I have a, a, a rematch of the bubble conference finals, which is Heat Celtics, and, um, it, it, and I'm going to go with my Celtics. Do you think the Heat salted away on Friday night right now, laying three in Philly? Total on that one is 210. You go first, Hench. Well, uh, you know, a, it, a bit of an X factor, obviously, with with how effective Embiid can be. Um, I do think the Heat take one of those two games, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say – Sixers win game three, Heat win game four. Okay, um, But I do want to say uh, real quick, because oh. I know it's one of your big bit bugaboos. This has driven you crazy is your entire life as a sports fan. Um, 
catastrophic event occurs because of a decision someone makes, then they're asked in the post game, do you wish you had done anything differently? No, no, I don't wish I had done it differently. It's like <laughs> you're up 30 with four minutes left when Embiid breaks his orbital, orbital socket. Do you wish you'd done anything differently? Like, just go, of course, of course I wish, I, you know, what, what kind of question is that? Of course I wish I'd taken him out at the previous whistle. Like, why does every guy have to go? No, not at all. Not at all. I, well, I thought, what you, I thought what you were going to say was uh, the other thing. Another thing that's bugged me is uh, singular names like heat and hurricanes. Like it is. I, I, I haven't really tackled the uh, the morality. If your region of the country is devastated by hurricanes on an almost annual basis, is it the right thing to do to celebrate them? I, or are you trying to make nice with your arch rival and say, "Look, we honor you by naming our local sports collective after you." You don't. You don't, don't think the. Uh, you don't think the Darfur drought is a great name <laughs> for their hoop team. <laughs> well, I mean, like you know, the Thunder would have been way cooler if they would have been the Oklahoma City Twisters. Ladies right? and now, gentlemen, <laughs> the Killarney Potato Famine. Please welcome. <laughs> See? <laughs> this is the worst thing ever See? This is you, he. Shame my, on you. I lost my family in a hurricane. Stop. Yeah, it's deadly room. heat. When it gets really humid in July down in South Beach, man, that's what you're celebrating? Shame on you. Not cool. Takes out some of your senior citizens locally. Eddie Spaghetti, Sixers, plus three at home. How say you? I don't think MB is coming back, or if he is, he's not going to be fully healthy from what I've read. It just seems like it's a disaster, and I don't see Harden taking over the series. I mean, the Heat are uh, a totally great, uh, totally underappreciated team. Uh, I'm not sure if they're they're going to win the finals. I, I would not bet on that, but I, I think in terms of locking this series up, it's for sure the Heat. Also on Friday, you have the Mavs uh, hosting the Suns. Some noise that the Mavs, I mean, the Mavs did look uh, good in stretches there, and I really thought they uh, were going to get past the Suns. But, you know, uh, I'm not even sure who was in the booth there, but it's a point that you, Hench, and I have talked about in the past that one, at positions one, two, and three on the floor, if you can rebound at that position, it's such an advantage, and it's not some random uh, low percentage type of thing, like I say about you know this uh, home run speed for that running back. Yeah, let me know when he when running backs are consistently twenty yards downfield um, with a chance to break away from the pack. You know, Devin Booker really does rebound at that position. That's such an advantage that you can crash from that spot with the way they're moving the ball, where there's going to be some space to move around and grab those long rebounds. It really did. There were a couple of spots there for Booker that made a big difference when the Mavs were making their run and everything, where they got a second chance because of Booker. So that being said, I'm going to take the Suns. Lucas dynamite. I don't like talk about new thing. I, this thing of like that it's cute that Luca jaws with the fans all the time and they're harassing him. They're like, oh, Luca's got to stop that. Like the fans better stop that crap. We got to cut this out now. This is getting weird with Chappelle and Will Smith randomly attacking celebrities and otherwise. We got to get a handle on on just exactly how much the fans are allowed to interact with the with the performers on the floor. But anyway, well, I will letting, take this. You know, they're not the letting the the uh, fans uh, interact with the Supreme Court anymore. They've, they've put up the barrier. <laughs> Not a lot of fans out there in the district. Well, why? What, uh, what don't they like? You know, they don't like uh, being lied like, to? Like, they don't like when the, 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 the Supreme Courts who are supposed to be uh, the pillars of justice and, and truth and uh, all that kind of stuff lie blatantly to all of us about what their intention is? And then, and not, then that's, not a, that, that's not a red flag. falls for it. But the crazy thing about this, this week in America is – you know, I think we've all pretty much understood that the Republican Party, as it's currently constituted and maybe as it's been constituted for most of the, of the last hundred years, wants to take it take us back to 1953. Like, you know, before the before Brown versus the Board of Education, before the Civil Rights Act, before the Voting Rights Act. Let's just get back to 1953 when things were awesome. And Samuel Alito is like, how about 1632? He's literally citing 1632 as legal precedent in his opinion. It's like, uh, this guy is a religious maniac who should be institutionalized. 
not the institution of the Supreme Court of the United States. I'm talking about a fucking straitjacket. This this Opus Dei fanatic is writing opinions to govern the United States of America. Like, oh, my God. Anyway, so. Uh, well, it's at least it's at least like 1980, which means we are in the sweet spot. Time for a kegger with squeeze. Listen, That's what I, mean, I like just it. you know, I know a lot of a lot of sports fans and their mistresses are listening to this. And it's like everyone should know what, how an ectopic <laughs> pregnancy ends and how a, uh, a septic um, uterus is handled. It's called an abortion. And uh, a lot of white women are going to learn about medicine in the deep red states. They're going to be, wait a minute, I voted for these people. Well, enjoy your uh, death. We got, we, we, enjoy we, your we, death we had, we, uh, because you can't abort an ectopic pregnancy under these laws. Oh, well, enjoy 1632. You weren't, uh, I mean, weren't full. The 1632 uh, Project by Samuel Alito. Wow. All right. I mean, I, I don't I, I we could talk about this for an hour and a half, but I I suspect that a fair percentage of people don't need I to could hear give us. a fuck Go about on these and- morons, as you probably <laughs> could tell. <laughs> Ingratiating himself to more human beings out well, there. We're talking about playing it down day. the middle. You can't really play it down the middle when that excludes half the population. Hey, second class citizens. Fuck that. I have two daughters. Uh, listen. So do I. I hear okay. you 100 um, percent. I'm, I'm not quibbling with you. I'm just moving on to the next thing because I have a hockey game. I have priority. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Now, now. Uh, Suns Mavs. How say you? Uh, Suns uh, catching a point. You know, it's Dallas. so funny what the Suns do because they're just methodical. Right. So it's like you look at those first two games and it's like you, you, you mentioned it. Like the Mavericks are hanging around, hanging around. And you're like, oh, Suns win and cover like it's like ah how'd that happen it's like they just grind you down with their execution over over the course of the game so uh you know same thing i don't think the mavs get swept but i think the suns get one in dallas i'll i'll take them in game three mavs save face in game four suns close them out in game five Spaghetti. I stupidly said, uh, I believe on Megan Fun of Sports with Megan, that I liked the uh, Mavericks as a long shot, but it's never a good sign when your head coach, Jason Kidd, is saying like how they're not going to win if it's just Luka Doncic. Like if your head coach in the middle of a playoff series, like, yeah, we need desperately need help. We need a second star here. It's like, yeah, they're, they're toast. They're, they're, they're done. So I don't see the, Ma- the Mavs advancing, unfortunately. It's funny when you say that, but there isn't really anyone else. Hey, we're not going to win with just Luka. And then you turn and you go, oh. Shit, we're not going to win. You, you look for, you're looking for Dirk and Jason Kidd on the on the bench. It's like no, no. You see the problem. You, you see that you're not. Pl- yeah, he's he is basically alone. Dwight Powell. We need their the coach like Jason Kidd could conceivably go out there and give him. You <laughs> I know, mean, a, a nice player, minutes. but but he's right. You just you need stars. You need superstars. Um, so. Now, speaking of the Megans, these these wonderful Megans, like those are our sisters. Like we got to have these we got to have these ladies backs. I think Megan has been uh, uh, Mama Megan has been so, so articulate on this, this big issue affecting America, even bigger than sports this week. So so check her out. Let's let's, you know, follow her on Twitter. Um, she's cool lady. Nice shout out. Nice shout out. Even though she likes uh, the Boilermakers or Purdue, I agree with uh, many of the thoughts she shares on social media. All right, let's bring it on home here. Golden State, the Grizz have been good at home. I said this earlier, too. I'm surprised that Oakland doesn't rebel against the Warriors. You ditched us for fancy San Francisco. How dare you? We turn our backs on you and cheer for any team other than you. But Golden State, seven and a half at home against the Grizz. Um Quick picks on this. I'll take the the, the dubs at home. Hench. Yeah, you know, it, it's an interesting thing. Uh, you know, Gary Payton playing playing meaningful minutes and and really being a little bit of a, not a complete jaw uh, antidote, but, but effective versus the Dylan Brooks suspension. I think uh, the, the edge goes to the Warriors in terms of motivation. And, you know, I mean, they won game one, even though Draymond got, got ejected in the second quarter. Um, Warriors are a bad matchup for the for the Grizz. I'm I'm with you. Um, I hope the Grizz can push this series deeper, but I do think you know we're going to get the Warriors Suns final uh, Western Conference Finals that we've wanted all along. 
it's given us our most compelling games, unless I'm forgetting something uh, in this round here. Spaghetti quick pick on uh, Grizzda. So I said I did like the Mavs long shot, but the team I actually really <laughs> did like was the Grizzlies. When we were in Arizona, I did bet on the Grizzlies to win. So I feel like just to back up my bet, I have to ride with them, and I don't want to be a dweeb, according to LeBron. So I'm going to ride with John ja- ja Morant. I'm starting to get a feeling our last game, our most important green on green, not as offensive to the eyeball as Leafs and Lightning is, but too much green. Let's uh, just leave it at that. Celts at the Bucks, And this isn't Hench talking me into it. I'm starting to get a a vibe off of these Celts. I think they go into Milwaukee and beat the defending world champs. I say they're they're plus two and a half. They aren't going to need it. Bet them on the money line, plus 120. Uh, Spaghetti, how say you? If the Celtics win this game on on Saturday, which is too far away from when it should be, uh, the Celtics win this game. They're going to win the series. And I think right now I the Celtics may actually win the NBA finals. I think in terms of like they're getting their healthy, their guys back wow. from injuries. I think they're a really well coached team. And I think they're deep enough and they have the the superstar level talent to, to overcome the other squads. I like the Celtics a lot. Look at that. Spaghetti takes away from you in hockey. He says Kane's uh, to hoist the cup. But then he says the Celtics. I'll take it if he's right on both fronts. I'll take that in a heartbeat. I was something real quick about the Celtics because they do have offensive possessions that are that are kind of maddening. But it occurred to me watching watching that second game against the Bucks. You know, and I know I know Marcus Smart was out. He's going to be back on Saturday. So Marcus Smart, NBA Defensive Player of the Year, Robert Time Lord Williams, top five NBA defender only defender in the NBA whose man shot under 40% on all possessions when he was the principal defender. So those two guys, elite, elite defenders. Then you look at what Kevin Durant did against Jason Tatum when Tatum was the principal defender on Kevin Durant. You could easily see Tatum uh, being on an all-defensive team in the near future. Hmm. Jalen Brown is, is a plus defender. He's an excellent defender. Al Horford had four steals in in game two. His switchability that he can move his feet on different matchups. Like when you have Time Lord, Horford, Tatum, Brown, Marcus Smart, that's the best defense. It's why they're ranked number one in defense. That's the best defensive team you're going to see. Any of these teams are going to see in the playoffs and That'll buy you a lot of bad offensive possessions if you are switching everything and moving like crazy on defense and you have the anchor time Lord behind you swatting shit. So um, I, I do get I do get frustrated with, you know, Derek White can't hit a shot, but it's like, man, that defense could take us all the way to the promised land. Yeah, I mean, it is that uh, zig against the rest of the league zag and, it, and, you know, can be diminishing returns if you don't have enough offensive firepower to keep up at some point. But, yeah, it really um, uh, it is striking. Sort It's very bad boys. If you think about the bad boys at the end of the 80s to make an ancient reference, um, I, I do see exactly what you're talking about. You you feel it from Giannis on down when they see the Celts for the first time this spring that they're like, oh, my God, what, what happened to all the space? I uh, you That permeates through my tv screen so yeah like i say i'll take the celts there on saturday and i don't want to open up a can of worms here um we could uh, do more hockey we'll we'll skip the hockey bets give me one for friday because i think it's a compelling one leafs and lightning eddie spaghetti how say you uh lightning at home there if you want to lay the goal and a half you get uh, pretty good odds there plus 205 i really want to i mean i obviously i picked the the leafs on our graphic i picked the leafs in the preseason but i said this is going to happen vasilevsky does not lose games after a loss and the lightning are not gonna i knew the blood it was happened i knew their lightning gonna come right back and do a blow of their own i would like i think what's gonna happen is the lightning do continue this momentum win this game but i still think this series is going seven i still think the Leafs will kind of find a way to rebound but the lightning i think are going to go up to one i don't think that's good for the leafs if they start getting behind themselves feeling behind the eight ball i don't know that they are that they can muster what it'll take to rally against the two-time dis- defending uh champs or hedge you have any thoughts on that you know you i mean it's out? a razor's edge but i just i I mean, maybe it's emotional because of those poor fucking fans. They're such good fans. <laughs> They're just the best fans in hockey. They've just suffered for so long. But I believe the Leafs are going to win this series. And if they're going to win the series, 
they're going to have to win a game on the road. And I like, I like game three. I think that's the one that, that they have to win to your point. If, if they start chasing it uh, against the champs, it's not going to happen. So it's kind of all or nothing game three. I'm with Hench there. I'll take the bees on Friday night at home. Doesn't mean they're going to win the series, but I do think that they salvage a sense of possibility by, uh, by taking care of the canes on Friday night. And last thing I'll say is um, I'm assuming you guys are on the canes based on what you said, but um, the last thing, not opening a can of worms, Cinco de Mayo. I was thinking about holidays, ethnic holidays that we, in America have taken to use as, as drinking holidays, but food wise, we've done this before Eddie spaghetti on, uh, on the DDFP. I want to hench his opinions here. Win play show best foods that you can get in the U S that are ethnic Italian, Chinese. I think we know what I'm talking about. German. I don't think many people are going to go with German food, uh, in their top three. I'm going win Italian, uh, place. I'm going to go Mexican and in the show position, I went back and forth on this Japanese because that allows me to get my sushi and I don't do it very often. But putting those meats on the little hibachi grill, that's a delicious treat if you ever get the uh, get the uh, chance to go do that. Hench, well, I it's funny. I'm glad you snuck them in there for the bronze. But like, you know, I, I just love the sushi so much. I would probably put that on the gold medal stand. In fact, I had a pizza. That, you know, I don't eat pizza. This is. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> oh my God. What an attack. Second time in six this is an weeks. Attack. I just said the What same an attack. Um, no, but, but last night weird, I got home and I they were ordering sushi. I was at work late. I said I would like something to nibble on. And then, you know, my lovely bride, she knows she knows I don't like the carbs. That fucking glucose in rice gets released so quickly. It's so terrible for you people. But uh, so she got me this just this delicious thing where you're like, like it's like tuna and like around a scallop or something, but there was no rice. So it was like, I don't even know how it was being held together, but it was a purely protein delicious thing with the dipping sauce. And I was just, I was just so happy. So I would go number one, uh, Japan. Okay. All right, that, we'll, we'll let uh, you off the hook there since you have your weir- your weirdo eating habits. Eddie Spaghetti makes some sense. Please. You're, you're, you're going to hate mine uh, because I, mine changes so much. I'm just going to go recently what I've been having a lot in terms of uh, different ethnic foods. So this is only re- spicy this is only recently and broccoli this is only based on where I live in the area. But I'm going to go bronze. I'm going to go. You said German food. I live near a German German sausage place. The German sausage plus like there the beers. That's that's, that's bronze. True. That's good. Silver. I love Mediterranean food. I don't care if it's Greek, if it's Lebanese, whatever in the areas. The pita, the hummus, the mm. baba all that mix. Uh, the, like the chicken, the kebab. Love that as a silver medal. Gold medal, far and away for me. Korean barbecue. And anytime any of my friends suggest going to K Town, Los Angeles, Korean barbecue is absolutely amazing. So that's my here. Very Korean barbecue. I mean, that's number one. It's incredible. Yeah. Korean. It is very good. So what? You're not going to ever have veal parmesan? I don't, I don't eat Italian food in Los Angeles because I'm from New York. So I, it's very few and far between. I do. I do hear your noise. I, that was uh, I, I did mock German food and now I'm the one suffering. I hope that they don't hold it against me. They never those people have never held it against my people before. So I'm sure I have nothing to fear. All right. Listen. Good times. Best wishes to your club, Eddie Spaghetti. I suspect by the time we speak again, we'll be uh, meeting back up in Pittsburgh for uh, for Game 3 tied up at 1. I certainly hope to be wrong. Um, Hench, enjoy uh, all things Boston and uh, Hollywood, blending those two together so beautifully. Um, and uh, you, the sports listener, we'll talk to you on the other side of the weekend. We'll break it all down for you, try to make some sense of it for you. Until then... For Kevin Hedge, Eddie Spaghetti, and the rest of the gang at the Extra Points Network, thanks so much. It's been a thin slice of heaven.